this week on Dig Me Out. Dun, 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 Tim and Jay review Tatooine by Blind Mr. Jones. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me as always, my co-host, Mr. Jason Ziak. Jay, it's episode 242, 242, season five. You gave uh, Minichi a little extra pizzazz. I have to give it a little pizzazz, Jim. I'm a little under the weather, so I'm trying to spice up whatever I can, however I can. Trying to bring some energy. Yeah, I'm trying to. My energy levels are pretty low, so I'm trying to force some energy out. Mm, yeah. Cannot. Cool. Yeah. I'm going to do the same because I'm sick too. So we're just going to be yakking it up. We have uh, August colds, and uh, that's that's okay. I blame it on uh, the fact that I, I have a spouse who is a you know teacher in uh, K through five. And uh, those children are disgusting. They, they're disease-ridden. Yeah. And uh, she comes home the first two weeks riddled with various diseases, which her immune system has built up a tolerance for over the years. But mine is still normal. So I get sick. She gets really? sick, but she kind of gets through it. And then I get sick with the residuals. Right. Because so. you're, so- you're soft. I, I am soft. <laughs> Soft and doughy. I'm pretty much, I'm pretty much like I'm 45% water, 45% dough, like <laughs> uncooked raw dough, and then 10% muscle mm. at this point. And so just some bone fragments in there just floating around. So enough about me, Jay. Let's talk about our <laughs> requested review for this week. And um, actually need to uh, do a little preface on this request review back uh, a couple months ago david weisberg threw out a suggestion for us he said hey why don't you guys review this band blind mr jones and their album tatooine and uh or tatooine i know it's tatooine because it's a, it's the star wars reference um and uh we said sure and he's like do you do you have access to it and neither of us had it he's like well what about this album by uh, acetone and i think one of us had it and said okay sure we'll do that one instead turns out we didn't really like the acetone record at all neither of us had anything positive to say about it yeah. in any way shape or form kind of felt bad because it wasn't really his first choice yeah so got a hold of the blind mr jones record and said hey why don't we uh don't we do have a, a redo on that we'll do that we'll do that review for you because uh, just so happens we're about to do a round, uh, <clears throat> we're about to do a roundtable on shoegaze, and um, this band potentially could fit that description. So it'd be a good lead-in episode before our next one on shoegaze bands. So there you have it. That's how David Weisberg's suggestion of Blind Mr. Jones came to be. So, uh, and this is available now on, uh, at least I found it on Apple Music. Yeah, and it's been, uh, we'll get to it later, but it's been re-released. It originally came out in uh, 94, and it was released in 2014 on a remastered CD, and then just this year, 2015, 
on remastered vinyl. You can pick that up via St. Marie Records. Yeah, it's uh, it appears twice on Apple Music, but they don't distinguish whether one's remastered or uh, they don't have a different release date. So, okay, I, I went back in between the two of them and couldn't figure out if they were different or not. <laughs> so, uh, it's easy to find because it's on there twice. Well, there you go. So, Jay, were you familiar with Mr., uh, Blind Mr. Jones before we uh, came across this band? Thanks to David. No. No, I never heard of him. Me neither. Uh, I was dreading it was going to be like, for some reason, my mind went straight to uh, like Counting Crows. <laughs> you thought it was Mr. Jones, but. Yeah. I was like, song? is this going to be like a, you know, a crunchy kind of, uh, you know, Dave Matthewsy kind of thing? What are we getting into here? Oh, boy. That would have been a much different record. Well, the name sounds like, I don't know, like blues. I thought it would be a blues record. Blind really? Mr. Jones. Uh, Blind Mr. Jones so. sounds like a like an old blues guy. I was gonna say it sounds like from a TV show, like uh, if you were gonna in, from the '90s or referencing the '90s. If you were gonna have a band in a TV show, it would be like a potential title. Well, I can tell you exactly where they got that name, Jay, and I can do it in the history of the band. History of the band. I'd like that segue. That was pretty slick. So, set up Spike. Boom. Blind Mr. Jones formed in Marlow, England in 1991. They took their name from the first two songs on the Talking Heads album Naked, which are track one, Blind, and track two, Mr. Jones. There you go. The original lineup was Richard Moore on vocals and guitar, James Franklin on guitar, Will Teversham on vocals and bass guitar, and John White on drums. Quite possibly the easiest collection of names I've ever had to pronounce for this particular show or this particular podcast. The British will do that for you. Yes. Well, there's no Gaz or Boz or anything like that either. So they're all, you know... Richard, James, Will, John. These are these are, you know, pretty basic names we've got going here. So they signed to, yeah, pretty Anglo, pretty uh, easy for a uh, pronunciation luddite like myself to uh, pronounce. So they signed to Cherry Red Records based on some demos, and their first EP, Eyes Wide, uh, came out in 1992. Interesting. They featured. Uh, some of the songs featured guitar parts written by Neil Halstead of Slow Dive. Um, they released uh, after the release of their first EP. They added flautist John Tegner, and they released the Crazy Jazz EP later that year, which featured harmonica by a gentleman named Johnny Greenwood from the band Radiohead. So you got some pretty interesting names circling this band at the at their formation with Neil Halstead and Johnny Greenwood. So at the end of 92, they released their first album, Stereo Musical. Came out on Cherry Red Records. Uh, after this album, they ditched the flautist, John Tegner. Um, spent 93 in the studio and in 1994 released the album we are reviewing, Tatooine. But... Not long after the band broke up, 
So they only made it three years, 91 to 94, but they released two albums and two EPs in that three years. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, 20 years after the re- release of Tatooine, it was released on CD remastered and then a year later, vinyl remastered. So if you, like David, have an album you'd like to uh, have us check out, review it, head on over to our request review page at digmeoutpodcast.com. We did get some Facebook feedback on this record from dimitri dummytree he says wow i love this album and found out it was reissued a while ago which blew me away i have my old copy from the 90s on cherry red records blind mr jones were totally unappreciated and even despised shoegaze has never been so cool and trendy than nowadays and the proof is blind mr jones is reissued they sound a lot like ride which i like but they had a flute player the one song i don't like is surfer baby I don't know if it's my f- favorite, but Mesa is a perfect album closer. <laughs> and at least it's not the Counting Crows. So there you go from Dimitri Drummetry on the same wavelength as you, Jay. Not the Counting Crows. So, Jay, let's get into this record. Let's talk about Tatooine. Obviously, a Star Wars reference. Uh, let's go through this record, Jay. Um, let's talk about what we liked, what we didn't like. Uh, I'm going to kick it off. I'm going to talk about one thing that I enjoyed about this record. This being uh, a shoegaze, I don't think you could talk about shoegaze without talking about guitars. I think that's one of the defining uh, aspects of shoegaze is the use, how guitars are used for both melody and for noise. And um, I think just from the first song, which is Hey, sort of starts out with this uh, stringed drone and this slow build throughout the uh, first verse and up to the second chorus. And then when that second chorus hits at the, I think about the 135 mark, you get this just huge crunch of guitars. And from there, you get sort of what I would call like some shoegaze hallmarks, which is lots of noise and feedback and shredding on a shoegaze level, which is not necessarily based around how many notes you can play, but more about how much volume and and dissonance you can bring to a song. And um, this is where I, you know, once that once it hit at 135 and then they, they carried it out through the end of the song pretty much had me hooked and I was interested in this record. So I'm going to say that for, for one thing that I liked, it's uh, I, I really like the, I guess you'd say, I don't want to, I don't want to say like the traditional sort of shoegaze guitar parts, yeah. but I, I really did enjoy hearing that guitar noise and that dissonance and that chaos uh, built around what was a fairly straightforward and kind of pretty song. Right. 
Yeah, the thing I liked about the record is also the thing I didn't like about the record sometimes was the vocal. Um, mm-hmm. uh, at its best, a song like Big Plane, I think it's gorgeous. You know, it reminds me of... Um, it actually kind of is a, like a 70s soft rock kind of feel in a weird way because uh, they do like a melody um, and it's really lush sounding. Uh, and I think that mixes really well with the... You know the wash of guitars and the the slower tempos, yeah, um, into something that's really interesting. Uh, but the first half of the record, I found um, times when the vocal was just a little too sleepy for me, mm-hmm. um, and just not quite engaging enough. Uh, I don't know if it was just a performance or just the strength in the melodies, or you know. I know I, I felt like I, I reacted much better to when they had stronger harmonies going on sure. um, to help beef up the vocal a little bit. It also added a little more urgency to it. Um, it didn't get, you know, it seems like, you know, when you do a melody, you're, you're singing with somebody else, with, which requires just a probably a bit more presence um, as opposed to when you're singing by yourself, you can kind of be um, maybe overplay the whisper kind of downbeat uh delivery which um I'm, I'm just not a fan of very you know very often just it's just not compelling to me uh-huh um so uh as i revisit the record and, and and continue to listen to it that's that's one of the things that really stood out to me is maybe being yes you've got the shoegaze elements here but um you know, some of the vocals almost get into, like I, I mentioned, uh, you know, kind of a 70s um, soft rock, kind of progressive rock kind of feel to sometimes they almost feel like um, like Teenage Fan Club-esque. So like mm-hmm. Please Me is a song where, you know, it approaches power pop or pop, yep. alternative pop, which is a good thing. Well, that's an excellent point because I thought like a song like Big Plane sounded like very similar to me to a like a mid-tempo big star song, which obviously with Teenage Fan Club being, mm-hmm. you know, influenced by big star, that makes sense. Cause I could hear, you know, a Teenage Fan Club version of big plane. Um, I thought in terms of uh, influences and, and songs that, you know, influence this band or bands or, or bands that influence this band. Um, there were songs that veered from, I guess you'd say more traditional, shoegaze sound uh see you again has a lot of the elements of like lush and ride with that chorused guitar Then you go to tracks like towards the second half of the record, like Please Me and What's Going On, heavily Jesus and Mary Chain influenced on those songs. Yeah. Um, 
from the big noise of Please Me's uh, guitar to the um, in what's going on. That almost they almost are influenced by two different eras of Jesus and Mary Chain, like the earlier, louder, more chaotic, but still super catchy. And then what's going on has more of the um, the later era, like stoned and dethroned, um, where they sort of discover like U.S. Americana as opposed mm-hmm. to just the Beach Boys combined with noise. And um, I really enjoyed those two songs. Uh, there aren't a lot of bands that have done Jesus and Mary Chain proud. Yeah. Um, you know, Black Clover Rebel Motorcycle Club tried to do it on their first couple records. Um, but that's about it. So I, 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 I think this band does a good job of showing their influences, but not making it completely, you know, watered down. Cause there's elements of like some of the jangly stuff kind of sounds like early REM and, um, there's some stuff like on Mesa that kind of reminds me of the cure that like, uh, that Tom beat with that lead kind of reminds me of something off of disintegration or, or wish or one of those albums. So actually it reminded me of Sunday real estate, like the whole intro. Uh, oh really? Guitar part and Tom part. Huh? Cause it had, uh, kind of a minor sound. Um, yep. Obviously, by the time the vocal comes in, it's, it's different, but it just it felt right. like kind of a sunny day kind of mood to me. Interesting. I would not have made that connection. You mentioned about um, some of the stuff that you know didn't didn't necessarily work for you. I want to agree with Dimitri. I thought Surfer Baby was the one misstep for me on the record. That was an obvious misstep. Yeah, um, I'm not quite sure what they were trying to do with that song. Um, it seemed like they were paying homage to the Beach Boys by m- making multiple Beach Boys lyrical references. Yeah, um, the song itself doesn't seem to have any musical connection to the beach boys, but there are, uh, was it like a bridge, I guess where he's, uh, got the lyrics where he says, get around, uh, I get around. Yeah. Get around. Yeah. Yeah. Or I, I guess it's an outro more than a bridge. I struggle with that song. I, I didn't like it at all. The first couple of times I listened to it for those reasons, I was just like kind of groaning and rolling my eyes, but I felt like, as I got more familiar with the record and as it would come on, there was an energy to it that I did like and thought was um, a nice break for the record. Um, 
you know, kind of kept it from getting too uh, down or mm-hmm. I just gave it some levity, I guess. Um, I think it's a little, I don't know, what's, what's the right term? Ham handed. <laughs> Forced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not, uh, it's not the, it's a, it's a very obvious in the, all the wrong ways uh, reference to the Beach Boys. Yeah. Now, what did you think of Trek 2 Disney World? Because that's the single. They actually have a video for that, which uh, we'll have posted on our Facebook page and website uh, the day before this posts. Um, it's in terms of vibe, it's, you know, really only like up tempo song. There are t- there are songs that are mid tempo. Um, and there are songs that are have some movement to them, but this is by far the most up-tempo song. Yeah, I mean, the energy's good. Um, I don't think it's that strong of a, from a songwriting standpoint, that strong. Um, there's actually songs on the, on the back end of the record that are stronger from a songwriting standpoint. It's a little different, too, in that the guitars are a lot more textured. I mean, you're getting uh, what I think is a acoustic or a clean um mix of of picking and mm-hmm. it's not as um you know traditional shoegaze you know just distortion and, and delay there's like a really strange uh the background of the chorus there's a kind of i don't know what it is like a kazoo or something oh, the hell's going on there but I'm trying to find the part oh it's the dun 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 it's kind of like a blur almost kind of melody but I don't know what the hell they're playing it on. It's not a guitar. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's a flute, but. No, I think it's somebody going, nah, 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 nah. Oh, really? Okay. I thought maybe it was like a kazoo because it has a tonal quality like that. But it was an interesting idea. Like it, it definitely creates a little hooky kind of melody, but it's not quite resolved. This is also a song where I was struggling with the mix a little bit mm-hmm. on the record. You know, there's a lot of ride cymbal. Just kind of a distracting amount of high end at times. Um, there's just some instruments that kind of, on the high end of the record, kind of really scream at you that you don't really need to hear. <laughs> right. Uh, to, the de- to, to the detriment sometimes of the instruments in the middle that are maybe creating uh, more interesting melodies. So like that, that part I was just describing is... Um, <clears throat> should be something that's a little bit more prominent it's actually kind of i mean it's there but it's it's it doesn't come out and really grab you it's it's just mixed in um you know in the middle and if you start paying attention to the ride symbol it starts to drive you crazy because it's just so loud in the mix you're like oh my gosh this thing is just ringing in my ear the whole record so that song in particular made me start to pay attention to the mix which i think you know, I guess they're going for a shoegaze aesthetic on the mix, but I just think sometimes they vary so much from the um, from the formula that they need to readjust the mix to to comedy for that, and they, they kind of don't. Um, so I think some of these songs could be better if they were mixed differently. I don't think that that's an unfair criticism. I mean, I, there's definitely an aesthetic they were going for in 1994 with regards to shoegaze and the mix was a little bit odd 
always in those with those bands. So in remastering it, I'm sure they didn't want to like alter what was the intent. They wanted to sort of beef everything up, right? Make it sound better. And a remaster is not a remix, so the mix is the mix, and you're just right. You know, changing compressions and EQs. You're not pulling instruments down. So right. I think it's the songs where I think to your point, you know, this is a band that can go from shoegaze to, you know, kind of a, almost a Brit pop or a inspiration for Brit pop. They can kind of go into that Jesus and Mary Chain kind of mode and get a little jangly. And uh, that requires a different mix. Um, yeah. So I would like to have seen that just refined a little bit better. I think some of these songs would have been a little punchier uh, or more, more melodic had that been adjusted so in terms of you get a little bit of big picture here you know this band was only together for three years um they put out two records this is i i guess the more well-known one since it's the one that got re-released i don't know that for a fact um just going based on that maybe the other one's already been re-released um on cd and vinyl with a remastering but uh, as far as I know, this is the only one. Is it surprising that they didn't last after that? After this record, um, I mean, Disney World is a fine song, but it's not a hook, no. chorus ready, you know, for radio sort of thing. No. So, and there's nothing really else on the record that elevates it to that record. I mean, there are better songs, but they're not necessarily radio songs. They just have more interesting things going on. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a band that's good at a couple different things, but they're not great at any one, to be completely honest about it. I, you know, I mm-hmm. don't hear anything on here that's, like, incredibly innovative or um, unique. I, I hear them, um, you know, fitting into a couple different genres and, and doing them well and competently. I don't think there's mm-hmm. anything about this that's, like, you know, embarrassing or... You know, totally negative. It's just not, um, and it's solid. It's just not like incredible. It's you know, I found it kind of middle of the road ish to me. You know, so right. overall, that doesn't surprise me that of all the bands of that era, you know, they kind of went the way most of them did, um, right? Or or some that were even way more innovative and and revered. Yeah, and by '94, you know, the shoegaze had sort of in a lot of ways run its course i mean my ability valentine is has doesn't have anything out at this point they've kevin shields has sort of disappeared uh you know ride lush slow dive catherine wheel have all either changed their sound you know by this point catherine wheel has moved into chrome which is not really a shoegaze record i wouldn't say on par with the first record it streamlined their sound and you know, slow dive has evolved. Uh, rides evolved. So this is kind of uh, on the, I guess you'd say on like the second tier, almost like in the way that there's like a second wave of grunge. Uh, yeah. This is I mean, sort of crisscrossing between shoegaze and, and Britpop. What, are you was this band evolving to Britpop? Is that what we're hearing here? I think maybe that's what was happening. Yeah. Is that they were sort of getting away from... I'd have to listen to that first record. I don't know. Maybe they were less shoegaze and they took on a shoegaze sound or 
That's a it's a good question to ask the people that are familiar familiar with that first record. Because uh, uh, to me, this is a band kind of doing it a couple of different directions, and you know, maybe if they had made another record, it would have sounded more, uh, you know, blur or suede or or have some other influences that we might even be considering. Um, so, what's the deal on the flute? Because I only heard explicitly heard flute in one song. I heard it in Viva Fisher. Are you saying that they had a flute player for the whole record? Am I like? it there but i'm just not hearing it for their first record oh okay they joined after the first ep if i have my notes correct um i mean i did like the way that it was used i mean i'm not typically a a fan of flute but uh it's very restrained hey aqualung yeah i mean there's no flute so flute solo it's um a lot of times it's kind of like a two note thing. It's just like a dunit, dunit, you know, just kind of adding a, mm-hmm. almost an orchestration part. I was just kind of, I uh, was curious when you said that they had, I mean, that was what made them unique is having a flute in the band, but I only really heard it on one track. Yeah, I don't, I, without having heard the other stuff, I, I don't know how extensive it was. It's just that the, uh, on the, on the release of the, remasters there's like a bio so it gives you sort of a basic history of the band so i'm assuming that that it's fair, fairly uh, accurate since it's on an official page does the uh remaster feature uh flute only mixes that'd be an interesting option to uh to take the uh flute centric versions so we should talk about our overall Opinions and ratings on this record. Were the album better EP, decent single? Uh, Jam, let's start with you. Where do you land on this record? Uh, you know, I'll go with EP. I mean, I have uh, five songs here highlighted as, you know, I, that I enjoyed. Um, they are all in the second half of the record. Big Plane, Drop for Days, Please Me, What's Going On, and Mesa. Basically, the Almost the whole second half of the record, minus Surfer Baby, um, I responded a lot uh, better uh, to and, and thought was, um, you know, a better direction for the band, a more compelling direction for me. Uh, the first half is, is shoddy. Um, there's some Disney World. This, this guy has some moments. Uh, Viva Fisher has some moments. I don't like the song See You Again at all. Um had the record been like that, I would have been much more harsh. Um, but they take a big turn on the second half of the record and embrace uh, pop melodies a little bit more. And it becomes a little more compelling to me. Um, and then Mesa is, is kind of a nice... Uh, I think Mesa is probably the best representation of how to mix all this together into one song. You know, hmm. I think... I feel like we've we've... I've made that comment in the past about other records where there's a track t- towards the end where they it seems like they fa- they kind of put everything together into one tune mm-hmm. and it it really all starts to make sense um, and I feel like Mesa is, is probably the closest uh, to doing that. So would you have five songs? Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Yep, five. Okay. 
I'd probably go with seven if that's a long EP or a short album. I'm I'm not sure. Um, but I, I think there's seven. I do like uh, See You Again. I, I think it has a strong chorus. And it's a sh- only a three-minute-long song. It's fairly short. Um, so I dug that tune. And, and I, I think um, Disney World, for what it is, is, is a decent track as well. So I'm at a, like six or seven. I could go with seven. I could... I could convince myself of seven songs uh, for this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna slightly disagree and go with a. I'm gonna respectfully disagree, Jay. You son of a. Respectfully, I'm gonna go with an album. Really? So, uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Huh. I would even consider. I would nay. I might even just pick this up on vinyl. Stop it. Hey, they really? remastered it for us. They threw, you know, they put that together for us. Okay. They said, "Hey, out there, why don't you put this on vinyl?" Well, maybe we said, could uh, on some of these reissues. Hey, it'd be nice if these record labels would actually send us a copy of it. For Christ's sake! Yeah, we're doing some it, free publicity. How many other people are reviewing this record? To be completely honest, right now, I'm gonna <laughs> say know? one. Yeah. What's the label? Saint. Uh, Saint Marie Records. Yeah, we got to start reaching out on some of these reissues and see if we can get some uh, some vinyl sent to us. That sounds like a good idea. I never even thought about that. You have a much more enterprising mind than I do. I don't think anybody else is beating down the door with some of these labels doing reissues uh, to review these records. Do we have to promise a good review then? Because what if we don't like the record? Hell no. How does that work? Is that called payola? No. It's promotional. (laughs) It's a promotional just, copy. You don't have to like it. Okay. But we at least we don't have to go like, I mean, in some cases we have to download these things, uh, you know, on, on the download to get them because they're not even available. It's true. Depending on where they're released. So. Dear Sub Pop, please send us all your vinyl. We want to <laughs> review. Thank you. You know, they don't send vinyl. They send you MP3s to listen to, by the way. I know. I know. Bastards. MP3s ruined everything. Uh, well, that's it. We uh, we slightly disagree on this. Jay goes with an EP. I go with an album. If you disagree with both of us, feel free to let us know on the uh, interwebs at our social media outlets. You can always request a review of your own at digmeoutpodcast.com on a request review page. And if you like what you heard on this episode, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over on iTunes. Next week, we'll be continuing our discussion on shoegaze with a roundtable discussion joined by uh, several folks who have opinions to share. And uh, hopefully those will be entertaining opinions. Uh, so tune in, won't you, for that episode. Hopefully Jenner will be over our colds by that point. Uh I'm not gonna I'm not gonna count on that. Yeah. Neither shall I. So let's let's go ahead and plan on using the mute the uh mute function. Yeah, it works for you, not for me. I'm so my voice is so powerful it actually breaks through the mute. And uh <laughs> it cannot be contained. For Jay, I am Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. 
Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com, where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages. Tell me something.